Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. How many of you have ever heard the saying, seeing is believing? How many of you have ever heard that saying, seeing is believing? I remember years ago, um, uh, when my, uh, shortly after my wife and I had got married and we were, you know, desiring to have children and desiring to, you know, start our family and, and, you know, just thank you. Yes. Praise God for brother Joe. Thank you. Would you give the Lord a praise for brother Joe? I don't know about you, but I'm a little warm. So thank you for that. A few years ago when, when my wife and I had, had gotten married, we were desiring to have children and, and it was a prayer of ours and as it is for many young families as you're starting off and we wanted to receive an inheritance of the Lord. We wanted to, to you know, fill our nest, so to speak. And I remember we, we even did crazy things like, you know, two years after we were married, you know, we, we bought our first house and, you know, it was a three-bedroom house for two people, you know, and and then shortly after that, I, you know, made another move in faith, and I, I got my wife a little uh, crossover, like a little mini SUV, you know, thing, and trusting again that the Lord would eventually, you know, fill that, you know, car with children. And, and I remember there was this man that had approached us, and, and we had gone through about a four-year, um, you know, battle to, to eventually receive our children. And so it was a, it was a little bit of a struggle for us. It, it, it took a little bit of time. And I remember there was this man who said this. He said, you know, he would not believe in miracles. And he didn't believe in miracles until he said, I'm not going to believe in miracles until your wife is pregnant with a child. And I remember, you know, kind of hearing that thought, and it was kind of like, you know, almost a challenge to God, right? As if, as if God is incapable of doing that. You know, it wasn't a necessarily a challenge to me or, or to my wife, but it was more of a, a challenge to the Lord. And so, you know, that's that seeing is believing thing, right? He needed to, to see her actually, you know, be pregnant with a child and, and eventually bear a child. And now, thank God, by the grace of God, we have two children that are 10 and 8 years old, and, and that's just the testament to the faithfulness of God. But it's that seeing is believing thing. It's the same kind of so-called faith that the disciple Thomas possessed when he asked Christ for proof of his nail-scarred hands. In John chapter 20, I want us to read this just for a second. It says, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands... And I put my finger where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, there's a lot of people that are just like that in this world that we live in today. Sometimes they, they need that extra convincing. They need that extra, you know, level to say, like, I need to see it with my eyes. It's like, yeah, I know that you're talking about God. I know that you're talking that he's real. I know that you're talking that God is omnipresent. I know that you're talking that he's my healer and, and he's my deliverer, but I need to see it. I need to touch it. He goes on to say in, 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 uh, in verse 26, it says, A week later the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood amongst them and he said, Peace be with you. How do you like that for authority? The doors are locked and Jesus 
goes through the walls of the house and he appears to Thomas. And not only does he appear to Thomas, but he appears to the rest of the disciples. And he shows in this moment, church, that he actually has always possessed all the keys to power and dominion and authority. And this is what it looks like, is that even though there is a physically locked door, that is not a match for Jesus. Even though there is a barricade and there is a wall that is set up, that is no match for Jesus. Jesus can go through anything. He can reach you in any situation. Verse 27 says, he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. He said, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. You know, church, that the Lord is always moved by faith. But how many of you know, in his grace and his love, he shows us willingly and plainly so that our eyes can see for our hearts to believe. You see, he didn't have to do this for Thomas. He could have just said, believe. Thomas, you need to just believe. But in his mercy, church, in his grace, he said, listen, look, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you the living evidence that I'm standing here today that I was once nailed upon that cross, Thomas. But I'm going to show you my hands. I'm going to show you my feet so that you can believe, so that your heart can trust in me. And I know that no one in here has ever asked God for a sign. Amen? (laughs) Especially young people, right? Lord, if she's the one for me. Just give me a sign, Lord. And then, oh, man, you get a text message from her, and, and that's God, right? Like, that's it. You know, you know that she's the one for you. You're going to be married for the next 100 years of your life. I know nobody in here has ever asked God for a sign, but can I get a witness of how many times you were fearful about a decision or you were hesitant about a choice, and you asked God to make it plain and clear? And I would venture to say, church, that the majority of the time he did. He showed you. He made a way. He canceled out the other options, and he made it undoubtedly obvious for you to make the right choice. Why? Why? Because this God that you serve, church, is not against you. He's for you. Amen? He's not against you, but he is for you. And for Thomas, his faithlessness was challenged by Christ to stop doubting and believe. The Lord is going to give you more chances and more opportunities to believe than not to believe. That is his grace over your life. That is his mercy over your life. Guess what? He is looking for more ways to get you into heaven than to keep you out. He's not up there just trying to say, you know what, the door's locked and you're never going to get in unless you just believe. No, he will do everything in his power to show you his mercy, to show you his love, to show you his grace, to show you his faithfulness. Verse 28, that same chapter in John, it says, Thomas said to him, he says, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, he says, because you've seen me, you have believed. He says, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. He'll meet us in our doubt, church. He'll meet us in that place where it's like, hey, listen, I don't, I don't, I'm not to that place where I believe just yet, Lord. I'm not to that place, God, where I am fully convinced, Lord. I'm not to that place where I'm fully confident. He will meet you right there in that moment. But I love what he said. He said, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet they still believe. 
I know that no one in here has actually seen Christ. Like Thomas and the disciples had the opportunity to do so. He got, they got to walk with him. Imagine walking with him. Imagine seeing the countless miracles that he did. Imagine seeing the people freed of demon possession. Imagine walking with Jesus every day. Imagine being Peter, seeing Jesus walk on an ocean towards him in the middle of the night. And yet they still struggle to believe. Church, you do have great faith. Did you know that? Because the fact that you believe in Jesus, even though you have not yet seen him, is proof of that. Amen? And so this morning I've titled my message, Believe and See. Believe and See. In a culture of Thomas's, the Lord will still reward those who have chosen to believe despite what is able to be seen. Because the God that we serve is a God that is pleased by faith. Amen? The Lord will help you along like he helped Gideon. How many of you remember uh, the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6? God tells Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Imagine right now God's like, you are a mighty warrior. <laughs> Put some pep in your step, right? Man, if the voice thundered from heaven right now, I mean, everybody's back would get straight and you go, yeah, yeah, I am a mighty warrior. That's me. That's who he's called me to be. And you're destined, you know, Gideon, to conquer the enemies of God. You're destined, Gideon, to conquer the enemies of God, but yet he still struggled to believe. And so God even allowed Gideon to ask for a sign. They used to have these fleece things, and they had this fleece, and Gideon's like, hey, you know what? Can you do this, Lord? Can you, can you wet that fleece overnight? I'm going to just lay it out, Lord, and I'm going I'm to set it out there, Lord, and, and I'm going to just trust that, Lord, uh, if it's wet in the morning, God, then I'll, I'll know that you're with me, Lord. Gideon wakes up, and the Bible says that he has to wring out the fleece. It's so wet. The sign that he asked God for, God absolutely fulfilled it. And then Gideon's like, um, still not convinced, God. Can we do one more? Can you dry it now? <laughs> So he leaves the same fleece out in the wilderness, out on the ground. And the Bible says that the ground is wet. But when he wakes up, the fleece is completely dry. Because he's had to know. He said, God, I, I just, I need to be sure. And as if that wasn't enough, in the next chapter in Judges 7, the Bible says that Gideon is still worried and he's still fearful and he doesn't know how he's going to, you know, you know, accomplish the assignment that God has put on his life. And so the Bible says that Gideon now is told by God to go down into the enemy's camp. And he goes down into the enemy's camp and he overhears two of his enemies talking about how he, Gideon, is going to defeat them. If God has to take you down into the enemy's camp for the devil to tell you who you are in him, he will do absolutely anything. Because he wants us to be fully convinced. He wants us to be fully sure and fully confident that he is trustworthy, church. How many of you know him to be a trustworthy God? Man, he's never failed me. 
Despite what I might feel or despite what I might think or despite how my uh, circumstance ended up, God has not failed me and God has not failed you, church. He has not failed you at all. And so we see how the Lord has worked with Gideon. And so he is trustworthy that he will reveal, church, his strength and his power to his children who could be struggling to believe so that they're fully convinced to trust in an almighty God. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. We're sometimes that man. We're sometimes that man with the child that was demon possessed that told Jesus, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We are sometimes that individual where we know that God is with us, where we know that God is present. We know that he, he can do things. We know that he is capable. In that same story, he, he asked Jesus, he, he said, if you can, if you can, Lord. How many of you know that there's nothing impossible for God? Nothing. Nothing. COVID is, COVID is, is not victorious over the name of Jesus. Nothing, nothing is impossible for God. Absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter what stage of, of cancer you have. It doesn't matter when you get a doctor's report. None of those things matter because God is not held and he is not bound by the things that we are bound by in this world. He is omnipresent, church. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for him, but sometimes we are that man that says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And so in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we're going to get into this story here for a minute. If you have your Bibles, just open it up to Numbers 13. But Joshua is one of 12 men. He is sent out to spy out that land of Canaan, and they were sent on behalf of Moses to look at the coming promised land and so God, that God was giving them. And so he is sent out with 12 other, 12 other men representing the 12 tribes of Israel and they are to go out and report back what they have seen. And so Joshua is one of the chosen ones from the tribe of Ephraim. And so the genealogy teaches us in First Chronicles that, that there was a, you know, that these, these men were all likely princes of their tribe. And so they were descendants of the chief. So these aren't just regular men. I mean, these are, these are godly men. And it says, when the 12 spies returned, that they reported that the land was very good, but most of them doubted whether the Israelites would be able to take it by force. Let's read this in Numbers 13 and 25. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27 says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they are very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Did you know, church, that it is possible to cancel out your own faith? I'll say that one more time. Did you know that it is possible to cancel out your own faith? You see, it often happens when we apply our own reasoning and logic to a situation. It often happens when you apply your own reasoning and logic to the situation because faith doesn't deny a problem's existence, it denies it a place of influence. 
Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 illustrates this perfectly. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Everybody say, I'm not as smart as I think I am. <laughs> We're not. It's okay. We have finite minds. We cannot comprehend. We cannot fathom everything that God is and everything that God does. We cannot understand his decision-making process. We don't understand from the perspective in which he allows things to happen in our life. We don't understand so much of it, church. And that's okay. Because one of the biggest reasons and one of the biggest ways that we get ourselves into trouble and we move out of faith is that we actually try to apply our own reasoning. We're just like those 12 spies that looked at the land. They saw the fruit. They knew that the land was flowing with milk and honey. They knew that there was good things there. But what did they say? They said, but there's some powerful enemies there. There's some powerful enemies there. There's some powerful people. They're very large. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the presence of belief. You see, a crooked path will remain when we trust in our own vision and understanding. But he will direct your path when you trust in him. He will direct your path when you trust in him. Ten out of those 12 spies, they had seen with their eyes. They claimed all those things. The land's flowing with milk and honey. Look, here's the fruit. The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and large. While this may not seem false, it's not faith either. While this may not seem like false information, it isn't faith either was there land flowing with milk and honey? Yes. Was there good fruit? Yes. Were there large inhabitants? Yes. But where does it mention the faith needed to fulfill the assignment? A lot of people will size up a situation or a problem with their logic and their probabilities with their experience or their expertise in a given circumstance. You see, but for the children of God, we weren't created to live from our logical point of view. We are designed and we are destined to live yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Can somebody say amen this morning? Amen. Zechariah 4 and 6 says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The walk of faith, church, is to live according to the revelation that we have received in the midst of the mysteries that we cannot explain. There's a lot of things that are happening in our world today that we have no explanation for. There's a lot of things that you are experiencing in your family, in your life, and in your home that you have absolutely no answers for. But that's where the walk of faith comes in, church. Because we know what his word says. We know what the Lord has spoken over a given situation. We know what his word says in a given situation. We know what he has declared over our life in a given situation. And guess what? Though our eyes have not seen it, we must still trust and believe that the Lord will bring us through. Amen? And so Joshua and Caleb, they were from this tribe of Judah. They are the only spies. They're the only ones to urge the people to proceed with the conquest and take the land that Yahweh had promised them. So let's keep going in Numbers 13 and verse 30. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. How many of you need a Caleb in your life? 
Amen? How many of you need a person that's in your camp that says, hold on, hold on. I don't care what everybody else is saying. I see that we can do this. I know that God is for me, and I know that the Lord is going to give us the victory. Caleb was the only guy, man. He had to shush the crowd. I like Caleb. We need more Calebs in this generation. Amen? We need more Calebs on television. We need more Calebs on the internet, man. We need more Calebs in our school system. We don't need any more Thomases. There's plenty of those. If your name's Thomas, God bless you. (laughs) We need more Calebs that say, shh, we can go up there and we can take them. Verse 31, it says, but then the men who had gone up with them, they said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. For every Caleb, there's a Thomas. For every Caleb, man, there is a Thomas. We can't go up there and attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land that we explored devours those living in it. And all the people that we saw there are of great size. We saw Nephilim there. We saw the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. And it says, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Thanks, Thomas, for that encouraging report. Anytime there's about to be a move of the Lord, anytime there is about to be a genuine move of God, the enemy's always going to say something. The enemy's always going to just speak that word of doubt in your life, to speak that thing to stop you from moving forward into the plan of God for your life. He said, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. (laughs) We're just like this little tiny bug. Now, grasshoppers are huge in Texas. Can I tell you a story? When I moved to Texas uh, many years ago in 1997, I've been a Texan since the the 20th century. (laughs) I remember uh, it wasn't shortly after that I got to go with Pastor to a property that he had in, in West Texas. And it was a very remote area. It was very underdeveloped. You know, like there, was, there wasn't any ranches out there. It was just raw, you know, land, raw Texas land. And he put a little cabin out there, and we were out there, and we were doing some work. And, and, and I saw this thing that looked like a stick. I was like, man, what is that? And I looked, and I got closer, and it was a grasshopper. This wasn't any grasshopper. This was the king of grasshoppers. This grasshopper was on steroids. This grasshopper was taking illegal substances. I'm not kidding you, church. This grasshopper was this big, front to back. This dude was like nine inches long, and he was like that fat around. And I was like, oh, my. Like, I backed up. I was like, dude, that thing jumps on me. I'm about to go crazy, like, you know, like, I'm not, me and insects, you know, we don't get along that well. They met the bottom of my foot many, many, many times. But that thing, I wasn't about to step on that, man. I needed a gun to take that thing out. And you've got these guys in the camp with you, and they're comparing themselves to a bug 
saying we're like grasshoppers compared to these giants. We don't stand a chance. You see, church, our problem with faith is not the inability to hear God's voice. It's our willingness to hear other voices. You've heard from God. The word of the Lord has been clear to you and the Holy Spirit has spoken to many of you concerning many things in your life. He speaks very clearly. He is very clear to us. The problem always remains, church, that there is always a competing voice of the enemy that is trying to speak doubt into your life. And he's trying to get you to contradict what you already know God said. It happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say not to touch the tree? Did God really say not to eat of that tree? I would challenge you that when the Lord speaks to your heart and you know it's the Lord because he tends to wake you up in the wee hours of the morning. Has the Lord ever done that with you? I woke up uh, when my dad was battling cancer. I woke up about um, for almost two years straight at 3.30 in the morning. Every morning. Holy Spirit would wake me up. And he would just speak to my heart. He would strengthen me for the day. He would just get my life going. And I knew his voice. I could identify his voice. And we allow competing voices sometimes to challenge the word that the Lord has already given us, church. In those moments when we know the Lord has told us what to do. And so if you want to kill a godly vision or dream, tell it to somebody with a doubtful heart. There's somebody in this house today that you have relationships with people that are Thomases. You have relationships with people that are Thomases that, you know, you, you heard God tell you that, you know, you were going to get this job. Or you heard the Lord tell you that, you know, you were going to, you know, fulfill this vision that God had put on your life. But you told it to the wrong person. And because you told it to the wrong person, you stopped dead in your tracks to fulfill the assignment of God because they planted doubt in your life. That's a good time to say Amen. And I need to warn you, church, that you have to be incredibly sensitive to the Lord because, listen, not everything is for everybody's ears. Can somebody say amen? Not everything is for everybody's ears. God could put a crazy, awesome, beautiful vision in your heart and in your life. He can show you things to come. He can show you the future that you have in him. But if you tell it to the wrong person, it could absolutely kill your destiny in Christ. And in these moments, there was these competing voices. There was these, this competition that was going on in that moment to stop the seed of God from manifesting. And so I want to take time to encourage you this morning to cultivate godly relationships that you have in your life and to uproot yourself from the ones that steal your seed. Uproot those relationships that will steal that seed that God had spoken into your life. Because every word that the Lord has spoken over your life, over your future, over your vision and your dreams contains within it the authority and the dominion to fulfill itself if we would only believe.
Isaiah 55 and verse 11 says, so, my, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Do you believe? Do you believe or are you allowing the doubts of men to determine your destiny in God? Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1. Let's keep going. It says, that night all the members of the community, they raised their voices and they wept aloud. And the Israelites, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land to only let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You know, it's the devil church, you know, talking when he encourages you to appoint a leader to take you back to where God delivered you from. You know, it's nothing but the enemy. They're in this moment, church, they're in this place where they're like, we know what, what these guys are saying, but we want to go back. We want to go back to the bondage. We want to go back to the slavery. We want to go back to the captivity. The devil's fingerprints are obvious, church. If it's condemnation, if it's accusation, if it's anything like this that says go back to your old ways, you know it's the devil. So don't listen. Amen? Don't listen. Don't give, don't give the enemy a footstool in your life to be able to speak into that place in your life. Verse 5 says, Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly that gathered there. It said, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh were amongst those who had explored the land. They tore their robes. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Man, I love Joshua and Caleb. I love Joshua and Caleb. These men know what it looks like to move in faith, church. You see, not everyone will believe a spoken word in faith, but only those that do will enjoy the riches of the land. Only those that, that receive that word of faith, they alone will be the inheritors of the promises of God. They will see the deliverance of God because he is the God of the word and he is the author and the finisher of our faith. But if you don't believe, there's no inheritance. If you don't believe, there's no victory. You would simply be fooling yourself. You would simply be playing yourself. How many of you are believing uh, in the Lord now for 2022 to be a year of deliverance uh, for your families? Amen? How many of you are believing the Lord that it's going to be a year of lost souls being restored unto the Lord? Amen? I believe that this is going to be a year of deepening in love with our Savior and a year of boldness to declare the gospel. Amen? I know that I am because Jesus died a death that he didn't deserve to give us a life that we could not earn, church. He alone is our victory. He alone is our victory. First Peter in 1 says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. Oh, man, isn't that the truth? 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, whatever it is that you are believing the Lord for this year, it can come to pass if we would simply walk by faith and not by sight. I want to read those verses again and continue. Let's look at Numbers 14 and verse 8. He said, if the Lord is pleased with us, how is the Lord pleased with us? He is pleased when we what? When we walk by faith, church. Faith pleases him. Nothing else. So if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people in the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. How many of you know that a word of faith is always challenged by a counterfeit lie? It is always challenged by a counterfeit lie. Look at verse 10. But the whole Uh, Verse 10, as we keep going, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. (laughs) Let me stop right there. Man, Joshua and Caleb, they go up there, they preach the best sermon that they've got. The Lord is with us. He's going to protect us. We're going to devour the enemy. Their protection is gone. God is with us. Do not be afraid. And the whole assembly talked about stoning them. It's like, bro. I feel like that sometimes as a pastor. I've encouraged many, many people in the Lord. Say, trust in God. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. But trust in God. Yeah, but you have no idea. Like, trust in God, man. Trust in God. The whole assembly talked about stoning them, but this is what I love. Then the glory of the Lord appeared. Just when the enemy thinks he is about to snuff out the plan of God, The glory of the Lord appeared. The glory of the Lord appeared, church. Just when it seems like that you are not going to make it to the next day, and you have no idea how the Lord is going to make a way in your life, just know, church, and believe in faith that the glory of the Lord will appear upon your life, that the glory of God will appear over you, that the glory of the Lord will give you the victory. Amen? He will do it, church. He will do it. Psalms 23 and verse 5. I love this. I was weeping when I was writing these things down. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When they want to lie over you, when they want to accuse you, when the enemy just pulls out his claws to antagonize your life, church, the glory of the Lord appears. When the enemy thinks that he's finally said the last thing that is going to destroy your life, the Bible says that he prepares a table. This is God, mind you. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. And it says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh. For the longest time, church, I never knew why God would anoint us in the midst of our enemies. For the longest time, I never understood why God would anoint us in the midst of our enemies. But I believe one reason why is because it is a sign to the enemy that their faithlessness and their pride will be their destruction. Whereas our faith and our trust results in eternal life. 
Philippians chapter 1 and verse 28 says, So without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. It is granted to you on behalf of Christ to not only believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle that I saw you had and now I hear that you still have. See, it wasn't easy for Joshua and Caleb to stand in the midst of a group of people that wanted them dead. But their concern wasn't what man could do to them. Their focus was on what God was going to do for them. And many of you have felt that suffocating spirit where you, you are in the midst of a council of people. It could be co-workers. It could be family members. that you know they, they don't agree with what you believe. They don't agree with your faith in God. They think that you're a fool for, for believing in this, in this unseen God. And it could be literally in those moments where you think like, man, you know, I am in the wrong company right now. But listen, church, if your concern is on man, you will be destroyed by man. If you are so fearful of what man can do, the Bible says that Jesus said, he said, listen, fear God. Fear God because he said he's the one that has the authority and the power that he can throw both your body and your soul into hell. Don't be concerned about what man says. Don't be concerned about what the, the world is saying and preaching into your heart and into your life. Don't be concerned about what man says. God is for you. Then who could be against you? Verse 11, it says, then the Lord says to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have performed amongst them? Verse 12, he says, and I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. He said, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Church, I would not want to be at the end of the destruction of God. But I want to be on the side that chooses to live by faith, that chooses to trust in him wholeheartedly. Despite if I am counseled to do otherwise, despite if I am encouraged to do otherwise, that I must trust in the name of the Lord Almighty. Because it is that name, church, it is that name alone that will save you. It is that name alone that has prepared a place for you. The Bible says that there is no other name under heaven and under the earth given to men by which we must be saved. And so as I ask you to bow your heads this morning, I want to pray for two groups of people today. I don't know who is here in this house this morning that is struggling to believe, but if that is you, if someone is, then I want to pray that the faith of heaven would infuse you this morning to push out all doubt and to trust God beyond what you've seen up to this point. Jesus never said in this life it would be easy, but he never said that it wouldn't come without scars. That it wouldn't come without hurt or pain. And he did say, take heart because I have overcome the world. And so this living Savior that many of you have confessed today,
is still alive and well, and he is still trustworthy. He is still able to forgive us our many sins, and he is still able to cleanse us and transform our lives. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.